Welcome to the XY Advisor podcast. To join a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice, head to xyadvisor.com. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Hub24. Hub24 make a difference in the lives of advisors by connecting you to innovative solutions that create opportunities with market-leading managed portfolios and customer service excellence. Want to know more? Visit hub24.com.au. Hey, Clayton here from XY, chatting with Dawn all the way over in WA. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me, Clayton. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we were chatting just before we hit the record button and and uh, I was like, wow, you know, you've won all the, you know, or you've been nominated for a bunch of awards. You're on all these podcasts and you're like, well, hold up, hold up, hold up. Like that couple of awards that I <laughs> But I'm like, no, this is financial planning. You got to spruik everything. So um, it's awesome to have you on. And then your career is kind of interesting because you started in media and you've come across into financial planning with this awesome story. So I, I'd love to dive into it. So what made you want to get into media in the first place? Um, yeah, I think I came, came from Singapore and uh, my I got to Australia because I wanted to pursue journalism. Um, and in Singapore, you're very... Um, very science and maths based, you know, and that was fine to an extent, but I felt that there was this untapped area in my life where I didn't explore. Uh, my dad was in broadcasting for over 30 years um, and he's a very talented man. I don't have even 10% of his talent, but I, I really felt motivated to want to write. Like it was just something in me. Um, so I had to really convince my parents that I was not going down the pathway of a engineer or <laughs> scientist. You hear the Asian stereotypes. It's quite true. There's pressure to be in one of those jobs and, and you know, to be able, for them to be fine enough that I was going to be a failure and go into the arts. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. And I ended up, I ended up in Murdoch University in WA. And, and that's when I think my, my heart really just opened up to this world of media and, and people's stories. Um, mm. From writing, I was exposed to other majors such as um, film and television and, and radio. Um, and really it was radio that every week we had to go out, you know, within our communities and find interesting stories. We had to ask would our audience find it interesting? You know, why is this important to tell? Why is this important story? So it became very wired in me to kind of go, what's your story? You know, sorry, that was the motivation. That's how I ended yeah. up at Murdoch University. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, um, I'm just sort of already aligning that motivation in your career with financial planning because it's so, financial planning is, is really particular in that being able to do numbers and, and we're going to get to all that because you, you sort of created your career in financial planning through the banks and, and yes. your masters of applied finance and all these type of, they're really just tick boxes, but it's what is that, um, what's that interest in the humanities combined with that sort of STEM, uh, you know, view of the world, yeah. which I find is a really interesting mix of characters, which creates financial planning. And so that's it. That's it. That's a super interesting place to come at financial planning from. Like you're interested in people's stories. Yes. And I, I think that's where um, I feel 
that it's my job to be really visible, to tell the story of someone that um, I'm not, I couldn't say that I'm the most creative person because I'm not, I'm somewhere in the middle. You know, I, I can, I can do your, of course, your financial concepts, I get it. Um, and, but communication is a bit key. Um, and I really hope that people coming into financial planning and when they have to decide at university level, that they understand that they have a place if they can communicate and actually listen to people's stories. I'm not sure if that's actually happening now, Clayton, because we've got a new education standard where someone has to determine when they're 18 or 19 that they want to go into financial planning. Um, You know, I I took a while to understand that that was my place in the world, but I started off with media studies. So I guess maybe the broader question is that how how can we attract those people? Are we, with the changes to phasia, are we going to stop those people um, who are more visual and and? artistic and maybe could do a modern dance with your financial plan how are they going to end up in our industry yeah yeah because obviously like the professional wants to attract the best and brightest yes and it does come down to again that sort of that uh separation between practitioners and those that are writing the rules and that is the list of degrees Mm. that applies i guess conforms to what is required doesn't involve uh, degrees like um, psychology, for example. So, yes. so, uh, so a mate of mine uh, got into financial advice, was a financial advisor, decided to go to uni, decided to study psychology. And now all of a sudden that's not good enough. Like yes. that's, to me, that's crazy that, that yeah. take, <laughs> taking the view of specializing in people isn't considered a benefit in financial yes. planning. <laughs> To me, that blows. I just think it's, I just think that's ridiculous, right? Like, and he's good at math and he does everything, but it does seem like the requirements are super heavy on the academic math based side. Yes, which is, it's, uh, I think it's, it doesn't really accurately describe how we successfully do our job. Yes, it's one way to describe how we do our job, but if you want to do it successfully, you need a wide range of skills. Um, if you're missing that people component, then probably you've missed the mark of being a financial advisor. Yeah, I fully agree. And so you've taken this. So I assume you uh, successfully graduated. From, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you know, then, I was an international student. <laughs> <laughs> touche, touche. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then, so how quickly between graduation and becoming a financial planner at the bank what 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 was how big of a gap was that uh so that was okay so i about two years after i graduated i was a waitress you know of course that made my parents very proud uh, that i was was paying my own way (laughs) and also you know um ended up finding my husband as well which was you know was interesting parents yeah my parents everything everything they were scared about was happening um (laughs) But I found that when I was actually a waitress, I learned to connect with people very quickly. So, you mm. know, my husband was, that's where I met him. He was managing the restaurant that I worked and he would just push me out because I used to be so shy uh, about talking to people. Right. And he's like, you've got two minutes to kind of create rapport. Yeah. You know, and, and I went from that fear to after that being, it was, it was easy enough to try and find a thing. So again, it was like that training into how do you deal with people? 
and then I entered the bank because um, I did apply for graduate programs and things like that. But I think maybe with some complications around the fact that I was still applying for my permanent residency. Definitely. not really successful. Yeah. Or there were a few spots um, and the bank accepted me. So even like flight center rejected me because I was not good enough. But <laughs> the bank, they were open-minded enough. So within six months of joining the bank, I was on the financial planning graduate program. Um, wow. Which yeah, bank was this? This was Bankwest. Oh, um, cool now in the CBA group, but there was um, a manager there who recognized to be able to see, I suppose, will versus skill. <laughs> he knew that yes, yes. that's good. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think also it takes like open-minded people to kind of see that you can fit into financial planning because it's about people rather than, yeah, the technical aspects. That's a hugely good point. Yes. Um, it does, you know, because the, the weird thing about the career in financial planning is that you might fit in, you might be a really good power planner, but if you're a really good power planner, it doesn't necessarily mean you'll be a really good advisor. And if you'll be a really good advisor, you may actually be a, not a very good power planner. Oh yeah, I'll be terrible. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, you know, and I started my career out, so I went from accounting into power planning because I didn't know how to get into advice, but I actually started out my career in the arts as well. So I yeah. sort of went arts to accounting yeah to power plan. And, and it was, it was very clunky and it was very difficult until I finally got into advice. And then I was like, Oh, okay. You know, I've, I know where I'm meant to be. And so that's awesome that uh, you sort of had this background in, first of all, interested in people's stories, then learning to how to create rapport. Now you're in the bank and, and how long, how long was that I guess, training program. How long did that go for? Yes, that went for about 15 months. And it was wow. 15 months of actually um, surviving one redundancy through that because we had CBAs uh, take over of, of Bankwest. So we went from a 14-person program to a three-person program. We had to re-interview um, in that time. And I think I went into that going, no, there's absolutely no doubt. Like I, I was hungry for it because they did give us options to actually link pathways into the bank. And I was successful. So I was the only one WA and the other two were over East. But I was the only one that made it out as an actual advisor as well. So I think that's always um, huh. carried me through is that when I pursue something, I pursue, <laughs> I pursue yes. it with all of me. Um, awesome. Yeah, so 15 months and then I was out, um, you know, helping clients that were coming through the retail space. So a lot of mom and dads. Yeah, and, and it's, a great, it's a great place for, I mean, maybe not so much these days, like obviously the banks are getting more and more out of financial planning. So mm-hmm. it, that may entirely dry up that, uh, that method to get into financial planning and think about you were one of 14 and then one of one in the end, right? And <laughs> Bank West, that's not like a small institution. So um, yeah, the, the traditional ways of getting into becoming a financial planner are definitely becoming harder and harder. Mm. Um, and to make that interesting, that journey more interesting, you found out you were pregnant. Yes. Because <laughs> so I, I had the, I mean, I knew I was going to go out into financial advice. So I, I had a conversation with one of the managers and he said, you know, we're not going to tell you when you're ready to come out to be a financial advisor. Right. And that for me was a very interesting thing for me to hear because, you know, for my Asian background, we wait till we're told, you know, there's a very like hierarchical system and right. things like that. But I realized in Australia, you need to kind of basically speak up and say, I'm ready for this. So that's yeah. something I had to learn because I was like, no, they'll see my hard work, but 
they kind of went, if you're not going to ask for it, then it, n- nobody thinks you're serious enough. So that's yeah. part of me as well. Being someone coming over to Australia was learning how people communicate differently yeah, um, and not to make the assumption. And so I put my hand forward for it, not knowing that I was going to get pregnant around the corner, <laughs> but also um, because I finished all my diplomas, I wanted to do the Masters of Applied Finance. And yeah, the bank was very kind to actually pay for that, that whole course for me. Wow. Um, so yeah, so finding it out was terrifying, Clayton, because I didn't know what to do. I felt really that was going to be the end of my career. And I think, um, I don't think that's an irrational thought. I think it's a very real thing that could happen to any woman in that position. Yeah, I, I, I had a conversation with a senior person at the bank. And then he told me, he was like, Don, when you call me, I thought you're going to tell me that you're going to want to drop out of being a financial advisor. That was what I was afraid of. He said, you're pregnant. Congratulations. Yes. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm very thankful that I've, I've met some brilliant people on the way that have, you know, just being, they've allowed me to continue, you know, but I think you can find yourself in environments where that might not be the case. Um, yeah. yeah. So the first the first year of being pregnant, I went. No, I'm not going to let this baby get in the way of my targets. You know, like I'm going <laughs> to. <shoot it." laughs> so- <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about because, uh, so, uh, so my wife Vera, she was pregnant, um, after, you know, a handful of years, uh, working her way up in, um, it consulting. And then, yes, she was super, you know, like wanted to hold, uh, hold the professionalism above all else kind yeah. of thing. And then yeah. the little guy comes around and, you know, like a lot changes, right? It, it, you, you go, oh, you know, wow, uh, there's there's more to life than just doing it. But at the same time, and I can tell you're the same, like being a mother from what I can see is great, but also you've got so much more to do as well. Yes. I mean, it. I feel being a financial advisor makes me a better mum, and me being a mum makes me a more confident financial advisor because I, I learn to well. I, I maintain the boundaries that I want between my family and work. Like I will give everything for my workplace. Yes. But there's a there is a line there that my family is the one that drives everything that I do. You know, so I think that helps me out. But you you get through it. I think you understand what resilience is, even though you may not realize you're resilient. You know, and um, I took about three months off with the first two kids. Um, and, and the last one was four months, but I went to do lab- labor with him five weeks early. So I remember a client seeing me and she went, I don't think you've got long to go. I'm like, no, don't say that. I said, I'm, I'm not off for another two weeks. I've got things to do. <laughs> and I was like waddling by this time I was like waddling through <laughs> to get home. Um, and then I went into labor and I remember like standing there at the mercy of my husband. I'm like, please let me bring my laptop. <laughs> That's so good. He just looked at me and I knew all the power was in his hands because the right (laughs) answer would be, don't give this mad woman her laptop. But he knew that it would kill me. Um, (laughs) So he let me bring it. And then in the hospital, they told me, no, you're not actually really in labor. So I'm calling clients. Oh, remember I told you I'm in labor? No, I'm not in labor. I'll see you you in two days. Then, and then they told me, no, I went into, then I gave birth. I said, remember I told you it was false? No, I actually did give birth. (laughs) Now I'm a parent to a third child. So maybe let's push our meeting out just a couple of weeks. Oh, no, I actually did a planned presentation from the hospital bed as well. So I was Stop it. Yeah. That is amazing. That is peak. That is peak financial planning. Oh, holy dooly. I think you win all the awards, whatever, what. Any of the awards that are out there that you can't for, you have to win them all purely for that point alone. So basically, I, I had my C-section. They gave me enough drugs, so I couldn't feel anything anyway from the waist down. Um, <laughs> it 
enough to prop a laptop up. The story was that the client, if, if I had delayed it, I felt that she was not going to get her age pension entitlements and I knew she needed it. Wow. Um, I mean, it was not her fault that she had a pregnant advisor. <laughs> it's a very <laughs> weird way of looking at it. That was my feelings at the time. And I knew that I could and I wanted to. So that's what I did. You know, I, I, it was easy enough to give her a call. We posted off everything um, and it was done, you know, and, and that for me gave me peace of mind. So, yeah. It's amazing. It, it is. It's an amazing story. It's um, and I totally get like your frame of reference where, where you're thinking, yes, it's my choice to, to have a child, but, um, but this person who desperately needs this thing for their life, they shouldn't have to suffer. And, and, and I mean, it's a very, dare I use the word magnanimous. It's a, it's a very, it's a very high you know, view of your, you know, that you must have of your own profession and your own of, of your role in your, in the, you know, in your client's life. And it's awesome. To, like, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of all that sort of stuff. So, uh, so you've had, so you, you, you found out you were pregnant when you, you know, were given notice of your first financial planning yes. role. And then yes. you've, and, and thankfully, you know, you were looked after and, and you've gone on to build a, fantastic family which is awesome yeah. and then during during all that period were you working with the bank the whole time yes i was working with the bank yeah that's fantastic and and what what are the sort of the, the pros and the cons of working in in an environment like that well i think you you always um you've been always told that the bank is actually a training ground where uh you know people people really learn to get their first experiences at the bank so i think that was real pro i mean they sent me for leadership courses um you know in addition to my masters of applied finance they also paid for my cfp certification so yeah i mean i knew that the banking system hadn't caught up to working moms being in the system so my bonuses were affected and my ability to get pay rises but i just asked for other things like pay right. for my studies so yeah yeah so sometimes it's it's systematically they can't catch up because it's just been something that's been ingrained. It's going to take a lot of work. And I think it's already improved since then, probably yeah. not where it needs to be, but um, we have to find a way to navigate the system and, and kind of amend it to our favor. So I know yes. that I couldn't get the normal ways of being uh, rewarded for my effort um, because the normal systems were in place. Uh, but I decided that there were other ways that they could do that. And I think the bank, tried to do that, you know, like with the leadership courses that I had, they were amazing. They put me in touch with my first mentors and I've continued that. The mentor that I met at that time is still a mentor today. Awesome. So it's it's quite an intangible value as well. Yeah. So I would say whatever situation you're in, if you're in a large organization, there are disadvantages, but you should be able to find the ways to make it work in your favor. Yeah, no, I fully agree. And then how, so in total, how long were you a financial planner, including the training? How long were you with Bank West for? Um, over nine years. That's huge, right? Yes. That's a that's a that's a that's a huge amount of time. Um, yes. And during that whole time, uh, you've gone from you know like a media student, right, up into into like a, a CFP, Masters of Finance. That's that's a that's a great story. That's super cool. And then over the last couple of years, you've now moved into I guess you would call it the the independent the finance the IFA market, right? So. Yes. So what's, what was, I guess, the biggest, what were the biggest differences and what were the biggest learning curves? Well, the, the first difference was that my boss gave me an offer of employment within 15 hours. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> you know, in a bank, you know that it's a six-week process, yeah. you go through aptitude testing, and then you've got to go to round one and round two. Yeah. I was like, really? Is, 
is that it? You know, but he, <laughs> he had spent a number of months uh, already communicating to me that he wanted me to be part of his business and mm. see me there long-term. So that was the first thing um, that I sought, but also the fact that he kind of went, well, you're an adult. We hired you for a reason. Now you just find your way to yeah, be out there and, and get clients. Um, so for me, I think that's why I found so much of who I, I was. Um, I mean, I was always there, but I think being able to allow who I am to be more accessible more widely is something that I've learned since I've been at Wealthwise. Um, mm. You know, and that's purely from having a boss like Jamie Luxton, who who just really just lets people be who they are. So I think it's just that kind of evolution. Probably I was ready at that time when I left the bank to use my voice more. And yeah. definitely the last three years, I've, I've found it and, and I've used it. That's amazing. And, and I guess now this goes back to not only discovering interesting stories in your clients, but also helping telling your own story in a way. Yes. I think we, as female advisors, especially, we've got to, we can't kind of say, oh, I don't like the spotlight or I'm just going to do my work here. I'm not interested in all of those things because I think, especially like I told you before, with the phasia requirements, um, you know, that could be a barrier for for some women of childbearing age as they term us when we're younger. Uh, so getting in, you know, so I, I need to let people know that first of all, the kind of advice that we give, you know, whether you're male or female, but a more nurturing form of advice, a more connected form of advice, is a very valid form of advice, you know. But if you don't see that, you won't know. You know, people in the public who who connect to that will not know. People who want to be financial advisors and who know who can provide that will not know either. Um, so I think it is is extremely important to be visible, to be heard, to be seen. I'm very big on that. And and maybe people who don't get why representation is needed, they might see it as a spotlight thing. If you've got the luxury of, of it being a spotlight exercise, you're not in a group that needs to be represented. Right. I, I, I think I understand what you mean. So it's, it's like, if you want to normalize the message that you want to send, it does force you to put your hand up and just say, there should be more people who are speaking like this. Yeah, I mean, there, there's so many um, wonderful stories of advice and impacts of advice, but maybe we don't hear it because there's different forms of advice. I think yes. still in our industry is very Massively. much like, yeah, in our industry is like, there's still uh, an awe factor for someone that deals with multimillionaires or billionaires and, you know, brings in huge revenue streams, you know, but what about the people who are also making an impact for the everyday Australian, the mom, moms and dads, that's an impact too. Yes. Um, if you think about how much money you can preserve someone or maximize through age pension strategies or super boosting, and if they don't have a large pool of money, that difference is huge to them. You know, it's, it's huge because they, they might be able to afford that extra holiday a year, um, you know, or, or be able to go and see their grandchildren more who might be interstate. So um, I believe those stories need to make it out there as well, because we all do this for different reasons. If there's no wrong or right, but those stories should be heard. Yeah, I fully agree. So uh, what are you doing in your career to get those stories out there? Um, I'm being really annoying via LinkedIn. <laughs> probably <laughs> post a lot. <laughs> you can't say that's annoying because I see your stuff and I'm like, that's cool. So <laughs> if you're doing something annoying on LinkedIn, I, I, the algorithm's not feeding it to me. Yeah, I just, you know, I post. LinkedIn is a professional network and I, I have a lot of um, connections through the, firstly, the banking space, but now over the, the last three years, built a lot of from the financial planning space, financial coaches, academics as well. Um, so for me, that is my main platform to, to just tell different stories. You know, the story I'm telling is not just about finance, but the story is the impact of advice, um, but also an advisor who's a parent 
um, or an advisor that's coming to Australia as an immigrant. You know, it's just about different stories um, and they'll connect to different people. It might not connect to loads of people, but it'll connect to the people that, that it should connect with. Yeah. Absolutely. Like that is definitely the point of LinkedIn. The LinkedIn is not to have a 10 kilometer <laughs> wide net that only goes, you know, 10 inches deep. It's to, it's the opposite, right? You, you, you want a very small audience and go very deep and, and to connect with them as much as possible. Yes. And um, to me, it's, it's still bizarre and it's very, it's very common that people don't use LinkedIn the way that you're using LinkedIn. Like people should be, and and for those that understand that's how LinkedIn is to be used, it's hugely powerful. And to me, I don't think there's a, or at least I can't tell to my mind, financial planners are better suited to LinkedIn than any other career. I mean, it is just considering the importance of it. Money is so important. But people are so concerned that they're going to get ripped off by a financial planner that they don't like to take a, a choice or, or step in that mm. decision. And so considering the, the, the risk to reward is it, the risk is high because you may get, you may, I mean, everyone's seen the headlines, right? The, yeah. the bad financial planners, they're not just a myth. They do exist. And every yeah. financial planner can, can attest to that. Um, and so we understand probably more so than the average person that the risk of falling into the hands of someone who's not going to look after you is high. Yes. But if you do fall into the hands of someone who's, my goodness, taking meetings on the bed that they oh, no. give birth in. No, that's not a normal thing. We don't recommend that. No, okay. <laughs> but you get the point. I mean, it's just, it's almost the epitome of, of, uh, of, of what a good advisor does. It, 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 and, you know, if you, if you end up in the hands of someone like that, then your life ends up in such a better position. And so advisors understand the risk is high and the reward is high. And then I think almost people understand that that risk exists, but they don't fully understand it. They, 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 they know that it's there. They know that the, the risk is high and then, but the reward is high, but they don't know how to solve the problem. And so when financial planners go onto LinkedIn and say, Hey, this is who I am. This is what I believe in. This is, these are the problems that my clients are having. These are the solutions that we're discussing with them. And these are the results that they're getting. Follow, follow me. Listen to what I'm saying. If if you never reach out and say hi, so be it. Hopefully that this makes your day better, regardless, right? That there's no, I mean, a mechanic isn't going to get as good a results. I mean, maybe if they're a fantastic mechanic <laughs> and they're really hilarious on their LinkedIn videos, potentially, you know, I'll get a call from some mechanic at this stage saying, "No, it really works for me." But like, I just think for financial planners, the way that you're using. LinkedIn, there's certainly enough room on, on LinkedIn. There's 700 million users, something yeah. like that. There's, you know, 20,000 yeah. uh, advisors in Australia. Probably actually, no, I know that there's much less now after everyone. So there's probably like 17,000. The audience is so large that every advisor in Australia, if not the world, should be on there doing exactly what you're doing. And and i got to say, I just feel like you're doing it really well. And to hear, oh. you know, that you come from the media background, I go, huh. <laughs> that that explains you know your ability to do so so well on that platform so yeah i mean it's really cool what you put out there oh thank you i mean i i for me it's always important that it, it really comes from who i am but i must say it takes a certain amount of vulnerability to put it out there yeah um but but what i have noticed is that if i share an article that's just about a budget update or something like that people don't engage with it it's not something they engage i think maybe because they see so much of it yes. or they're bombarded with it um what people want to see 
in my experience is that they want to see something personalized. Um, but they also, I, I think what you know what you said as well, Clayton, about how people perceive us as an industry that maybe in a lot of times you can get in trouble if you're with the wrong person. But I, I think what financial advisors feel or those, those of us who are here now is that we have a distrust of the industry ourselves because of maybe what we've seen in the past. Maybe that's work that we have to do that I have to also kind of go, look, I trust my industry. I want to say that it's now the exception that have done the wrong thing, yes, but yes. it's the bulk. So I need to be going, I'm going to celebrate the stories of where it's working out really well. And LinkedIn, you can connect up to people who are like-minded, um, people that will inspire because of the work you're doing. I mean, and that's why, you know, I've got no problems sharing podcasts um, from other advisors, you know, or telling my clients, hey, listen to this podcast. Like, I'm not afraid of my client going to another advisor. Mm. Um, I'm about, let's celebrate this amazing stuff people have put a lot of time into that's going to help us and our profession. Yeah. Um, so we need to lift it as a whole. I think we can't be scared that someone else is going to steal our client or the industry as a whole is bad. We need to step in and go, we, we are of value um, and we need to stand together to do that. Yeah, I fully agree. I, um, I mean, that's precisely what XY has been sort of founded on a few years ago. Yeah. Um, and to play a, to help play a small role in, in the advice industry coming together and sort of collectively lifting has been um, a huge, a huge benefit. And, and I, it's kind of cool because I get to spend my days taking <laughs> phone calls and, and having conversations with like this, with, you know, the best advisors in Australia. And so maybe I'm skewed in thinking that uh, the industry's come such a huge way in such a short amount of time. But all I see is, is positivity um, yes. in terms of the opportunity. I mean, it, it, the, the way that you're going about communicating what you do on LinkedIn, I think, again, it should be super commended. And, and I, 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 I just want to, like any advisor that's listening, like the bar, you need to lower the bar in your mind of how difficult it is, right? So uh, if, if you could... Perhaps, and I think you've got a really interesting insight. If you could perhaps go back to straight out of uni and, and you, you've got that two minutes to connect with, you know, someone at your work, is the fear that you experienced in starting out all those years ago as a waitress, do you feel like there's any sort of analogy or, or similar fear to when you, when you wanted to start, you know, posting publicly and vulnerably on LinkedIn? Is there any analogy there? Yeah, I think you, you just got to try and see what works. But the other thing as well is that you can't wait for other people to tell you that it's okay. Uh, because yeah. largely, um, there were people from the banking background that told me that, you know, that women, women who also told me that, um, why would we share anything personal on LinkedIn? You know, because we do this. So they were probably about 10 or 15 years older than me. And I understand that they came into an environment where they had to be pretty much for them to play. They were playing even on more unequal terms than I did. So yeah. they've learned to protect anything that could make them look as vulnerable or, or weak. Um, so I get, I get where they're coming from. So for me, I had to be that, I had to listen to what I felt I was willing to do. So I think if you if you want to be able to make your mark, you also have to dare to be different and being different could fail, but it's okay, you learn from it. Um, and you're not going to get like, you're not going to go viral. Like I don't go viral. Totally. <laughs> but the seven people that may engage in my posts are people who are, you know, who, who are going to have really meaningful relationships with. Um, so even for example, my, um, my video, um, 
I did a video, two video series on YouTube. I launched a YouTube channel this year and I mix cooking videos in there too, like two cocktail ones in there. I thought it's my content. I can do whatever I want. I don't care. If oh, yeah. Really. Yeah. I was like, nobody's paying me to do this. I'm doing this myself <laughs> on my own time. Yeah. You know, so, but I did have somebody that was interestingly enough told me that, um, who was not really in my sphere of advocacy or mentoring, but they felt they were doing me a favor by giving me feedback. They said that they felt that my content wouldn't be of any value to anyone. <laughs> Um, and, and the thing is that I know my audience, like I don't need anyone else to know who my audience yeah, is totally. because my audience is my audience. Your audience is yours. You know, you know, I'm not going to tell you how to reach your audience, yeah. but I know how I communicate with my audience. Um, so for me to get messages from people within the industry telling me that my videos help them and they were not my intended audience. I thought it was more for people who want to learn, but I realized yeah. that people in the industry who are struggling with how do I communicate these concepts? To clients and apparently some of these videos just help them kind of simplify what we can see the clients around things around super yeah so but- i and that get, that keeps me going you know so those positive people that tell me that it's of value i'm like yeah i will take more time in december and i'll make more videos for you <laughs> hey look totally I, i've seen such a huge range of um of content come out of financial planners especially in the last 12 months in the last 12 months it's almost it's almost like because of everything that's happened in the industry, you've got such huge amounts of advisors going, okay, we need, we need to step up this game of attracting the people that we want to speak to. And so you're seeing a huge array of stuff on the, you know, on your end, uh, you know, you've got the brightly colored suit, right? It's fantastic. <laughs> and on, on on the other end, you've got guys that are sort of wearing baseball caps and you yeah. know in the gym. And it's and 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 you know, there's there are markets, there's huge markets. That's what that specifically are aiming for for people who speak and talk and act a certain way. Mm. And and it's um it's kind of cool. Like I'm a, I'm a huge fan of it and. One of the things is I, I'll never accept criticism from someone I wouldn't ask advice from. Yeah. So, because uh, every everyone's everyone's an armchair critic. Hell, I'm an armchair critic, right? I'll, I'll watch something on TV and be like, ah, I could have been, but they shouldn't be listening to me. I'm just, you know, I'm just sitting in on my couch. And so, yeah, I'd never accept criticism from someone who I wouldn't ask for advice from. And I think it's awesome that, so, so what cocktails are on your uh, YouTube channel? That truly is the question. <laughs> well, I've got, I've got a quarantini. <laughs> a quarantini? quarantini? <laughs> that's, that sounds phenomenal. <laughs> because I was just like, I don't have any tequila at home and we couldn't <laughs> go out to the shops because we're actually, we're actually being quarantined that time coming back from Bali, <laughs> a very bad timing <laughs> trip. So I'm like, what can I, what do we have at home? And my husband got a pineapple or something. I think it was around that time. So I was like, okay, I'm going to use this. So that's, you can find that if you go on my YouTube channel. <laughs> that's excellent. Um, and one of the other advisors, Kara, um, she gave me a challenge during this whole lockdown period that we're all going through. And she said, oh, I want you to make, like she gave me a cocktail challenge. I want to see a video of you making the old fashioned. It's like, <laughs> okay, I'll rise to that challenge. Kara, so he's like, you've got people within the industry and we're all kind of supporting ourselves through this. And then I thought, why not? It's just a video. And, and the other thing was that I was capturing Aside from the cocktails, I had my in-laws here for six months, three months longer than they were supposed to be because they couldn't travel back to Holland. Um, And what I did was I I started capturing their recipes, but capturing the kids with their Oma and Opa and learning about these recipes. And and I've had some clients actually share 
those links back to their friends in Holland. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, so no. Australian family is teaching some Dutch families how to cook Dutch food. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah. So it's for my clients, I think they see, they, they can connect to this material if they want to because we do talk about food and, and family. Um, and, you know, so it's, you never know, like it's, if they don't have, I mean, I've got 40 subscribers, which is very small. (laughs) It's for people who are very sympathetic and want to just support my channel, (laughs) (laughs) but it is getting out there. You never know who it might reach. So because of the videos I was put in touch with, um, you know, money school and they invited me on for their, um, their, they did a whole range of debates online. And from that debate, I met other financial coaches. That's how I ended up on one uh, podcast. Right. Um, and I, I ended up on Yahoo Finance because of the money school debate. So it's it's wow. like one thing leads to another. You don't need millions of people watching your stuff. You just need the right people to connect to your content. Totally. Well, Dawn, um, keep going. It's awesome to see. It's awesome to hear about your whole career. Um, and yeah, just keep smashing it. And congratulations on, um, yeah, like, like I mentioned at the start, the, the handful of um, awards you've been nominated for and everything you're doing out there. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing uh, you know, with the XY advisor community. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Nathan. <laughs>